0: Welcome to the WP Tonic Podcast, brought to you by WPTonic.com, a WordPress maintenance and support service for business owners. We talk to the leaders in WordPress, business, and online marketing communities, bringing you insights on how to grow your business and achieve success.
1: Welcome back, folks. It's our Friday Roundtable show. We've got a great panel here. We might have some of the posse of the panel joining us. Also, later on during the show, um, it's episode 254. And um, I'm going to let my great panel introduce themselves. And um, let's start with Sally. Go on, Sally. Introduce yourself.
2: Good morning or afternoon or evening or whenever it is. When you watch or listen to this, I'm Sally Getch. My business is WP Fangirl. I do uh, custom Genesis sites for Growing businesses and nonprofits, and I'm the organizer of the East Bay WordPress Intergroup in Oakland, California.
1: And it's a great word camp. If you're around, I would highly suggest that you go to it. So he does a great job. And um, Morton, would you like to introduce yourself?
3: Hello, <coughs> I'm Morton. I'm a senior staff instructor at LinkedIn Learning, and um, currently, some sort of. Uh, Flashpoint for Gutenberg I guess.
1: <laughs> he's not been happy this morning. He's roughing it. He's on a Mac. You know, he's been <laughs> happy with his Mac folks. I love my little Mac. I don't know. There we go. Um, Adam uh, um, would you like to introduce yourself. Please? Sure. I'm Adam. I'm the lead
4: content writer um, for Blue Steel Solutions. Um, we build websites as well in genesis um but we also do a lot of content writing uh, content strategy and design uh for print and digital
1: adam's a great strategist and a great writer so go and go to his blog learn more and we got chris like to you introduce yourself chris
5: sure i'm chris badgett i'm the co-founder of lifter lms which is a wordpress solution for creating selling and protecting engaging online courses and i'm really excited about this show uh, around the topic of information products and i'm also in the process of starting a wordpress meetup in mid-coast maine
1: oh that's great um chris is really passionate about education he was on our wednesday show um a few weeks ago you want to go and listen to it i thought it was a great episode and um thanks for the interview chris i really enjoyed it Absolutely. um Before we go into our news section, folks, I want to talk about our sponsor. And our sponsor is WP Intelligence. What does it do? It really helps you with Google Analytics, and it helps you get a lot more useful information from Google Analytics, not only for your own websites, but for your client website. The team behind it, Tom, um, one of the founders, regularly comes on the panel show as well. Very bright guy, developed this amazing plugin. And um, the other factor is they're really totally dedicated um, to the service side. So if you need help getting it set up, learning all the power, they're there to support you. So go to the show notes. There will be a link there that take you direct. The actual plugin is free, actually, but they have support tiers as well. Um, I just think it's amazing so um on to the news section um that would be really helpful if i had my stories in front of me which i do now have um i'll start off with the number one story uh gutenberg means for the future of commercial wordpress products learn from the leading page builder ceos um who wants to start off with this story
2: Please somebody start. Okay, I'm just I'm just looking back at, over it, um, and uh, I think it ties together pretty well with uh, Morton's talk, which is also one of our items.
1: I think that is very high praise, Sally. Thank you.
2: And uh, I, you know, I I think they made a, a an intelligent decision to say, okay, so there's all this speculation about like what's going to happen to this plugin and that plugin and the other thing and then so let's go like ask some of these people what they're actually planning to do uh and um you know the conclusion it comes to basically is is that if this you know massive shift in the way wordpress works brings more people into wordpress then there's a larger pool of potential customers for people who build pretty much anything as long as they are uh, keeping up with it in a way that it still works in the new, uh, in the new structure. And uh, I had actually read that but before finishing listening to uh, Morton's talk where he says, hey, you know, this could be totally awesome for the page building uh, uh, companies. And I'll let Morton talk more about that because it's his talk. Yeah, I
1: thought it was um, – the reason why I put it into the mix is I think it covers um, – also, obviously, some page builders, developers have decided to get out of the sector, but I think that was more to do that the sector was very, very competitive and you really needed to do something amazing to get any traction. Um, I do think the third-party page builders will still have – find some way of making themselves relevant. I also totally disagree with the people that um, said that themes were going to totally die. Um, I've never agreed with that. I think um, if you've got an eye for design, like one of our other panelists, another Adam WP Crafter, Mm. you probably don't need a theme. You can use a, a theme builder's starter theme, because you've got a really eye for it, but most clients don't. Um, so, anybody else wants to jump in and say I'm wrong? Go on,
3: please. Say <laughs> I'm wrong. You're not wrong, no. Well, <laughs> thanks for that. that. Make, make sure you recorded that. Morton said you <laughs> weren't wrong. Well, the, what, what people need to understand is that everything is going to change, and everyone who, anyone who doesn't change with it, will be screwed so there's ample room for theme uh, for page builders but page builders can't be what page builders are today there's ample room for themes but themes can't be what themes are today there's ample room for new plugins but plugins have to change their approach to things like a lot of plugins uh, basically work on taking something that's inside wordpress core and moving it outside of wordpress core that can't work anymore because WordPress core is changing, right? So this is just, this is the wake up call to truly, truly embed yourself into Gutenberg, figure out how it works and figure out how to use the technology that's being served up to improve your technology and add additional features to WordPress. So it's, it's a, I can't think of any type of theme plugin or WordPress solution that will not be impacted by this. So people just have to get with the program.
1: Yeah, um, I, 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 I
5: totally agree with you there,
1: what you're saying there. What do you think, Chris?
5: Um, I like the idea from the article that to look at it as an opportunity, not a threat. <clears throat> and I think, as an analogy, I think Gutenberg is bigger, but it was a major shift when responsive design became a thing yeah. and theme designers, plugin developers had to consider what the mobile revolution was all about. And those that adapted benefited immensely. Some of the, I actually got my start in WordPress services just by advertising responsive. I do responsive stuff that works good, looks good on mobile. And that was a differentiator. This is another transition that is much, much bigger than just the mobile web in terms of responsive design, because it's mostly a front-end experience. But uh, it's, it's just like that, it is time to adapt.
1: Yeah, what do you think Adam?
4: I hate it when people whine about things changing.
5: <laughs> is that this is terrible things change. It's terrible
4: changes, shocking. Oh, yeah, I know, it's like welcome to the real world. I don't know, things are gonna change, it's, it's probably gonna be better as a result, there's gonna be bumps along the way get, in, get on board, You know, stop complaining.
2: Yeah, so I we think need
4: some content to put out. So let me write a long whiny article
2: about
1: <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's always easier to write an article about you being a bit negative, isn't it? Exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's a little bit easier, isn't it? Uh, I, I just, um, I think some agencies, um, some people fear uh, that if people can do it much easier especially um I think where the real fear is comes from your kind of freelance developer theme developer because a lot of their agencies are going to attempt to do it in-house I know I know I I just know them (laughs) and um that will be that will work and that won't but that's got nothing to do um with Gutenberg um because that was happening with the third party page builders to some extent Mm -hmm. um but um, but if you get more new people, some of those will want to do it themselves, and a lot of them will do a terrible job. <laughs> and if their business still su- survives that, they will learn from it and they'll get professionals to help them. So mm-hmm. um, we've got another person join us, uh, um, Adam of uh, WP Crafter. Would you like to introduce yourself quickly, Adam?
0: Yes, actually, there's two people here. You might be uh, forgetting um, <laughs> our furry little friend oh he's got his cat you,
1: if you <laughs> yes. watch this you watch yes. this he's got, we sent him a special cat hasn't had cat. an
0: official introduction here but this is uh my cat and better known as adam at wp crafter aka dr evil <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah so you know i had to bring my furry little friend yeah he
1: looks a bit too sweet we tried we tried to find a sinister cat but uh we did uh, yeah did a reasonable job it's got a sinister face hasn't it, it um, sure it does hey everybody what a great panel yes uh, very blessed with this panel um we're gonna go i'm gonna go on to the next story and um um that's some some geezer in vancouver that spoke at some word camp you know he had some views <laughs> and uh, that was a uh, Gerson the word press of tomorrow by Morton Rand Hangerson. Yeah,
3: I Hangerson.
1: I was trying to be creative there. I do try to be creative, don't I Morton? Uh, um, so um it was. I'm going to choose somebody. Um, um, I'm going to choose. I'm going to choose. I'm going to choose Chris. Let's put Chris right into it. Did you watch um, the presentation? What did you think? Some of the points that Moulton were making. I have not seen that one yet. oh no, off you. Watched. Let's go on to the yeah. next one. You naughty boy. You <laughs> naughty boy. Anybody watched this? Watched? sadly you watched it, didn't you? Off you go.
2: Yes. Um, well you know I, I thought uh, it was you know very inspiring about the you know get out there and test it get out there and build things get out there and you know hear the the, the kind of you know <clears throat> without saying you know stop whining uh, you would encourage people to to take a, a positive approach and find out you know what kind of incredible things this was going to make possible for them you um, and I think the uh, only thing I would disagree with is is how soon virtual reality is going to take over the web, uh, because you know I've been hearing that it's just around the corner since the VRML days in the 90s, and uh, you know it's like oh yeah, like within the next five years, you know the Second Life comes out within the, Yeah, it's still not here, uh, and uh, you know I think we're going to see more VR and especially more uh, AR. That there are, you know, there are some definite applications, and there are some other things, and yeah, to the degree that we can start, you know, thinking outside the thinking outside the screen, it, it's it, it's probably a, a a good thing to do so. But in the meantime, yeah, technology brings revolutions. Uh, they're not necessarily comfortable to uh, experience, uh, but we come out on the other side with you know things we can do that we could hardly imagine doing before and uh, so it's just you know part of the the fact of life of of technology that it changes and we kind of have to to scramble to keep up but um you know that larger vision is actually really interesting um and in spite of you know i've had kind of all the questions that that <clears throat> Morton mentioned the sort of objections that come up well what what's going to happen to this what am I going to have to go back and, and you know rebuild stuff are you know are my clients going to have trouble adjusting in spite of all those questions it's still like this is really nice to work with this is this is cool this is you know th- this is opening things up and when we had a test day in in August at my meetup, you know I got those are my clients going to pay me to train them and then I got the i 'm going to go build a block right now. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and somebody did like you know something very simple and and was just really excited about it and i think if we can uh, hang on to the excitement and and not the uh, the fear for how this might threaten our livelihoods or make us work harder th- that we're going to be a lot better off
1: yeah I, thought, oh, I think that's great what did you think um adam <laughs> there's too many Adam yeah, I'm gonna call Adam the Aller Adam Doctor Evil actually just for this show It makes it easier. So I mean yeah. the real I mean the Aller Adam. Go on.
4: Well, Doctor Evil seems very excited. Yeah, go. On.
1: I'm gonna Doctor go Evil
0: um, speak. There, go on, Doctor Evil. Well, you have um, Morton. Is this the first time? Wait, the the your talk was last not last weekend but the weekend before that, right? Yeah. So this is probably the the first appearance on this show or maybe. Any of these shows since then, right? No, he came out last week and he's come back for more. (laughs) Oh, okay. Well, you know, I want to ask something personal to you actually. Ask
3: personal. You
0: you seem to have really, in my opinion, one man's opinion, really come around when you watch, you know, because we've been interacting on this show. I mean, you probably do a bunch of other things, but we've been interacting on this show. um, And that, Morton seemed a lot different than the Morton that was there at WordCamp, almost as if there was some kind of backroom dealing going on. I'm just joking on that side. But you, you, do, you, do you guys relate to what I'm, I'm saying there, meaning um, it almost seemed like you were on the, you know, on the outs of everything, meaning because you were the one that I think, and I commend you for being the most um, vocal about this whole project and vocalizing those opinions and here you are coming out of WordCamp U.S. to everyone's talking about Morton in his talk even in the state of the word and have you guys talked about this prior or am I the first one bringing this up because I don't want to rehash something that's already been talked about.
1: No we, we thought we'd just leave it to Dr. Evil. Really.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> Well, I I, I must say um, in in my last little bit on this, I was happy to see that. I was happy to see that because from our prior talks on this show, um, and if you're new listening, you got to watch this show every week. There's things happening here that you really want to pay attention to. Um, But I I must say that I was really happy to see how you came around because – when I look at this thing called WordPress, we need more Mortons that are digging in, vocalizing, and really pushing their opinion out there. Because you're an opinionated guy, and that actually helps when it can, when it's embraced and listened to. I'm an opinionated guy too, but in different
3: ways. <laughs> so, uh, my goal for just so, just so it's clear. There was no backroom deal. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. No, no, but it's oh, like... Oh, that's a shame, you know, isn't
5: pump, it? Pump, <laughs> pump <So> back, <laughs> no,
2: Mike wasn't pulling your fingernails out yeah, behind no, you. He did,
5: did bring the heavy I bomb. Have, we I had a couple of infosers. I don't
1: know we're the management. And I've brought a couple of people to put
3: you <laughs> right, <Morton. laughs> Walter. When, when I was approached to do this, um, it was... Uh, I actually went back immediately and said look you don't know what i'm gonna say and i might you know i have really strong opinions about how this is done and they're like that's fine we're okay with that and that in itself i think um says something about where the gutenberg team feels like they are that they are ready for someone who is on the outside to come in and actually say something about their product because if they thought their product was garbage, doing that would be very, very foolish, right? (laughs) So, um, but I felt like for this conference, my job was to present Gutenberg in a, as neutral a fashion as possible, provide people with some of the information that's been missing in the conversation around both the history where it came from and also where this is going. Uh, to bring the conversation forward and you know, move the conversation beyond just this is replacing the editor. And, and then finally to um, show that in spite of all the terror and fear that has been floating around on the internet, it's not a horrible thing that's going to destroy everything. Um, <laughs> and I really wanted people to understand just this is, this is a thing that is happening no matter what you say. Like, you, you can say all you want Gutenberg should be a plugin. It's not going to be a plugin. It's going to be WordPress core. So uh, you need to get past the. It should be a plugin part. Um, you have uh, people have to stop thinking it's an editor replacement because it's not. Um, and they have to start thinking about not only what how does it impact me, but how can I impact it, right? Because it's not ready yet. So I, I very deliberately try to make the presentation as neutral as possible to just present what's going on. And then in the question period, you'll actually hear me say something like, you know, I've presented the neutral view. Now I'll tell you what I think, right? Uh, So that people understand where that boundary is. Um, Because some people have told me that I can be quite persuasive and actually don't want to persuade people about my opinion of it. I want to hear their opinion on it, right? And it's really important that uh, people test it uh, come to it without too many preconceptions and test it for themselves and then provide their feedback. Because it would be easy to get a room full of people to adopt my view on it and then have them just push that view in. But that's not going to help the community at all. We need to hear what actual people who work with WordPress think and what actual people who work with WordPress want this thing to do.
1: Yeah, my my view is that I got a little bit tired with the whole, whole conversation, but on reflection, that might have not been the right attitude because, fundamentally, you, you tend to live in a bubble, and um, um, I think a lot of people just kind of switched off, weren't aware of how rapid the development was going at a at, at pace. But I don't think you have been negative about the whole process. In any shape or form, because I think you've just you just pointed out some concerns about a data. You know, where you should really get some data that kind of gives you some some framework to kind of how you, the project should go. And then there were some concerns about how it was man how it was being managed. And, it, and its ability to communicate coherently to the wider community. And I, I think that was taken on board, and I think they've be, they've been doing a much better job lately, a lot better. Um, and then also you've got the whole how um, data and the whole construct, and should it also be used as an opportunity to re-look at this kind of, um, that um, backward compatibility should, you know, it should never be broken. And really, it should be taking this opportunity to clean up certain parts that um, maybe that backward compatibility, which has been such a, a core, um, should be re-looked at and the opportunity should be taken to clean things up. But I, I think you've always been enthusiastic about the idea of a better e- a user experience,
3: haven't you? Mm-hmm. And I mean, the idea of Gutenberg
1: was that. First of all, was I putting words in your mouth, or was that a reasonable synopsis of your position?
3: No, that, that, that's pretty. That's pretty spot on. Right. Uh, the The idea of Gutenberg is good. The idea of Gutenberg also follows the general trend that's happening on the web. Like WordPress does not exist in a vacuum. We're not a thing that exists separate to everything else that's happening, um, and the web in general is moving towards APIification. so everything is queryable through apis and in preparation for headless tools that can just pull data Um, everything is being blocked or modularized and broken down into individual blocks so that it's easier to access just small pieces of content because of how people consume content now and how a lot of applications will like go to a bunch of different websites and pull in small pieces of content. Um, And WordPress is hampered by its current data models in that everything exists either in the content blob or exists in the, um, what is the uh, options blob where, where you put your uh, meta fields, but those two are these two giant blobs. And then you have to request the whole thing and then parse out the pieces you need. And Gutenberg, on paper, if you just look at the theory of it, allows us to break up the th- those data models, provide proper access to individual little data pieces, and allows us to take pieces of content from different places and put them together in a view. So all of these things are things that are happening on the web in general, and Gutenberg gives us the opportunity to move WordPress forward to prepare for these things, right? Um, that's sort of happening, not quite. There's a lot of conversations that's been going on for a long time about this data modeling thing. Um, the conversations I had with people at uh, WordCamp US told me that the it is more possible than I thought for us to break up the data model of WordPress. That doesn't mean it's going to happen. It means that the resistance to it is less extreme than it appears. Which means If people provide reasonable proposals on how to do it and what it's going to look like, it's not going to be just discarded offhand. It is going to be discussed. And that's the next step in this process, I think, for people to actually put forward reasonable proposals on how to do this, both to um, like both you know, technically how it's done, uh, why it should be done a certain way and what outcomes we get from that. And also how do we handle this big monster, which is called backwards compatibility. I wrote wrote an article about this um, earlier this week, I think on Monday, where I said the rational approach from my perspective is to just actually make a breaking change in WordPress and then uh, plateau WordPress classic at 4.9.x, whatever it is, and then allow people to choose to not upgrade until they're ready. So basically, if you run a business that relies on WordPress working exactly the way it does now, you can choose to just say, I'm stopping at 4.9.x, and I'll get all the security updates, but I won't get any new features until I have the money, the manpower, whatever is necessary to upgrade to this new guten blocks uh, environment. Um, And then at the same time, we allow WordPress to then say, okay, so if you move past 5.0, you're changing the data structure of WordPress, which means the reversion back below won't be very easy, but in response, you get a bunch of new features. And then we can clean up the data models and do everything else. And there is a lot of discussion behind the scenes about whether or not that's feasible, how that would work, or if there are other Approaches that would result in the same thing that can be done using um, uh, some sort of middleware to handle the data and uh, you know, make it look like that or if it can be phased in somehow. Uh, so the, the responsibility of our community now is to be part of that conversation. Every single person who writes a plugin or a theme or does any kind of complex data modeling inside WordPress needs to be part of that conversation and help drive it forward. Uh, I see a lot of people who say, you know, it's not working or it's going to break things or whatever. That is not helping anything because that's just flagging issues everyone already knows about. To contribute, you need to say, this is where I want to go. These are the things that are standing in the way of that happening. And here's how I propose we solve this. And doesn't mean you need to write the actual code to do it. It means you need to say, here's what I expect would happen. Now, exactly how that happens someone else has to figure it out but this is what i expect because that will help inform the conversation and drive it forward
1: i think that's great i i want to go on to the last story and because um quickly and then get and then go for a break but i don't want to miss the last story because um i think it's very ge- it was a very generous thing to do um discontinue membership on pippin pippins plugins what's this about folks well, um obviously Pippin is a well known developer, great guy. He's been on the podcast. mean, um, you know, I have to ask him to come back if he's got the time. But um he's um he's the owner and lead on a couple of really fantastic plugins that I both I've used on a regular basis. But not only that, he had um he had a substantial training course if you were looking to um, learn about WordPress and become a WordPress developer and increase your skills. And some of it was free, and some of it you had to pay a membership, and it wasn't that expensive. And you're getting access to training from one of the best WordPress developers in the world. So I thought it was a bargain. And I, I, when I was actively developing, I, I spent a lot of time on that website. Um, but he, he decided to offer it all for free now. So um, um, I don't think he's going to be updating it so much. Um, but the whole thing is free now. And if you're really looking at increasing your plugin skills or your WordPress development skills in general, I suggest you go over there and <laughs> and just gulge over the Christmas period. Um, what did you think, folks, about him doing this?
2: I found it kind of a relief that even Pippin has only so much he can keep up with be- because you know sometimes he just seems superhuman. In the he does happy. really if doesn't he? He? Done,
1: he seems uh, to be getting younger and younger so maybe it's all well, getting older and older maybe that's
2: <laughs> Well yes I mean he's you know hampered in some way by the fact that he looks like he's 12 but um, <laughs> you know the thing is that you know I listened to apply filters you know regularly and and the reason they discontinued the, the podcast was that their businesses had both grown a lot in different ways and also that you know they weren't doing active development as much and that was kind of what they'd started out talking about and it makes sense to cut out things that that are taking you away from the from what you need to focus on and and <clears throat> You know, writing tutorials is something that it, it takes a lot of effort to keep up with. So to try to do that on top of, you know, <clears throat> hiring people and 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 uh, you know uh, redesigning and evolving and expanding your plugin business is th- that's kind of a lot. I mean, you know, Adam writes, creates training more or less full time, uh, and knows that it, it's a lot of work. Um, so I do think it was very generous of him just to open it up and let everybody see it
1: um and it's a great resource isn't it because you, you know the quality is going to be pr- pretty high don't you Sally yeah
2: yeah so I'm you know I'm looking forward to to uh, you know going through and and uh, reading it but I think it is you know kind of important to know that even when you have a successful membership site there may be a reason that you that you stop uh doing it because people work well, were...
1: good because it's just a, it's such a ton of work isn't it
2: yeah, right you know it, it it is and this does tie into our main topic about you know creating information uh products is is that you know that there is oh, effort that, in See involved there was this.
1: there was logic behind my my choosing <laughs> of these stories Sally see there we go uh, I'll take this as really high praise Sally thank you all right. mm. <laughs> sorry that was ridiculous sarcasm all right there we go uh um yeah, I don't know if anybody else wants to remark. I just thought it was really generous. What do you think, Malton? Oh, go
5: on. i let Chris. On, let Chris speak. Go on, Chris. Uh, I just wanted to say that uh, I've noticed this trend in the WordPress community that there's really three areas you can get into, product, services, and media sites. Um, and within products, I would put software and education products or information products. And I've almost without exception... Nobody is good at doing more than two of these at the same time, with the exception of maybe Syed Balki, who has a product and WP Beginner. I think that's an exception to the rule. But whenever I see somebody trying to do both services and product or services and teaching company, uh, one of them ends up cannibalizing the other. It's very hard to do two. And I think even in perhaps in Syed's case, he actually kind of builds separate companies to keep them separated a little bit. So uh, I respect Pippin's decision to really focus on Sandhill development as I, I just respect that leadership play.
1: Go on, Maltin, what you got to say? Uh,
3: all of what Chris just said is accurate and part of what I was going to say, so I'm not going to repeat it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the other part, which may or may not have played a role here, is something <laughs> that anyone who's working with WordPress training right now is experiencing which is directly related to what we just talked about, which is pretty much all WordPress training goes out the window, (laughs) ships, right? So if you have WordPress training available, you need to update all of it because the UI changes in a fundamental way. Uh, Any kind of theme development or plugin development now has to take into account blocks and everything is going to work differently. And then not just that, The Gutenberg that will ship with 5.0 is version one. Gutenberg will not be complete until like version five or six. And with every single version change in Gutenberg, you'll see these dramatic updates to how everything works, which means if you ship a theme building course, you then have to update the entire theme building course, not just in content, but actually change the way the theme you're teaching people to build works which means you have to understand it. So, so you know, I have a full-time job of trying to understand how things work and then make courses out of it. This stresses me out because it <laughs> requires basically my entire, whenever uh, Goodberg merges with Core, from that point onwards, I have to redo pretty much every single course in our library. Uh, and, you know, I have the privilege of being employed by a company that pays me to do just that, right? But even for us, it's like, all the other stuff we we're planning to do just needs to be put on hold because we either we have to pull the existing courses or we have to update everything, and then we have to keep doing that with all these iterations, right? And figure out how to somehow make part of the course evergreen so we don't have to change it. And it's a it's a really big challenge, and that's something that faces every single WordPress training company, and also faces every single WordPress uh, uh, agency that offers solutions to their clients. So. If unless it's your primary job, it would, this would be the time to be like, you know what, (laughs) I may for a while focus on something else until all this stuff settles so that I can come back and redo it, right? I don't know if that has anything to do with this decision, but that's a... It's a tangential thing that seems related. I think
1: it it, it was probably the mechanism that kind of... It was coming anyway, but it was the kind of thing on the horizon that made the decision, maybe. Who knows? But I think you could still learn a lot by um, looking over it. He is a master, so looking over what a master coder like Pippin does and recommends, I think you still get a lot of benefit from um, I'm going to go for um, – before we go for a break, the only thing, Morten, is there's, there was a lot of, I agreed with your presentation, but there were some things that I really disagreed with. But um, hopefully you decide to come on the Wednesday show. Like… No, I'm not going to discuss it now. Virtual we're running, reality.
3: We're going to run out of time. <laughs> just, just, and, uh, just so people understand. When I say virtual reality, that I is know. like the – Package that encompasses VR, XR, All that crap falls under that category. So you know, even though everyone thinks it's the goggles you put on and see like some <laughs> computer animated world, a la uh, Lawnmower Man, I'm actually talking about all that weird shit that's happening that removes the view uh, the viewport oh i've got some di- I,
1: got, I, got, I got some deeper criticisms of your presentation than that, but you have to come on the um the Wednesday show so we can have a good discussion sure. about it. Um, so we're going to go for our break and um, we'll come back and we'll be talking about developing good information products like um, lead magnets um, um, content for your website. It's just presumed that you should know, um, but I, I think it might be an interesting conversation about what can work in the new year. We'll be back in a few moments, folks. Do you
0: want to spend more time making money online? Then use WP Tonic as your trusted WordPress developer partner. They will keep your WordPress website secure and up to date, so you can concentrate on the things that make you money. Examples of WP Tonic's client services are landing pages page layouts widgets updates and modifications wp tonic is well known and trusted in the wordpress community they stand behind their work with full no question asked 30 day money back guarantee so don't delay sign up with wp tonic today that's wp-tonic.com just like the podcast
1: we're back we've had a lively discussion I, i thought it was a great discussion myself um and we're back on to the main topic. So um, I don't think I did a great job with my title, but you know I don't. I'm trying to shorten them, and I'm shorting, that's a knack, in it's so, own right? Writing a short title that actually gets the, the message that you want to get across. Um, I'm going to start with um, Adam. Um, so you're a professional writer, and what do you think is what? Is successful content. What is a successful bit of content in the end of two oh seventeen and two hundred eighteen? What does it look like in some ways, Adam?
4: Well, based on our um previous conversation about how things change and how rapidly they change, I think a really successful piece of content is Evergreen. I was thinking about, you know, all these poor bastards who are gonna have to redo <laughs> all their course content because it's all WordPress focused and you know, um, I'm grateful that everything that we do is just about general marketing principles, you know, so we don't have to worry about these kinds of changes. Um, but yeah, I think evergreen is a big part of it. Um, something that is going to last, um, you know, you can do things that are, and, and you get both, you know, so evergreen is great. Some, sometimes something that's really topical a lot of the times things that are really topical are also going to be good, but those won't last, you know? Um, but it also has to be at the core of it something that delivers value, right? Something that your that somebody is finding valuable that they want for whatever reason, um, and that you're not because um, you get you get a lot of content out there that is really skimpy, right? You get these these um, these lead magnets where it's like, okay, I gave you my email address and I downloaded this thing and. It's like five pages of nothing, you know, um, and four of it is just design. Um, so I think that if you can really inject the value into the content that you're creating, it's better to create something that's that's big, that's comprehensive, that's, that's going to last, um, and that's going to, you know, deliver consistent. Value. And that's better for you, right? Because then it's something that you can just kind of put out there and you don't have to worry about constantly updating it. And, you don't have to worry that, you know, it's going to, you know, go out of style or whatever, or even if you want to update it, you know, at least you don't have to do it every three months. You know, you can.
1: Yeah, I, I totally agree. But on the, the other, as you were saying this, there's this also this trend for these 10,000 word articles <laughs> that, you know, it's like war and peace, you know, that um, <laughs> who reads it? You know, this is what I, uh, what I would, uh, Dr. Evil, what's your thoughts about that? Or what was I being negative? Which is, you know, I have English, so. I don't uh,
0: read those uh, 10,000 word (laughs) articles. You know, it's actually a shame if you go to, I think it's ConvertKit, their blog, they call it Tradecraft, and they make these epic, epic, epic um, written articles. I mean, they are filled with value and all that, but it's just too dang long. That's why I make (laughs) videos, right? I make my video, someone can just have it in the background uh, mm-hmm. playing, um, while they're doing something else. And that's why, uh, I prefer that way of doing things. But on the other s- hand, the other side of the coin, you need that 10,000 article. If your goal is to rank on Google, you need mm-hmm. the 10,000 word article, that really long form content. Yeah. Um, but, are uh, we talking about lead magnets? Or are we talking about lead magnets in the context of an information well, think, product no, or a for-sale type of information product no, or like we're talking about everything because I,
1: well, where i wanted this in, this conversation to go what what does it really take to get some in result now because i just wondered in your own business um do you feel slightly under pressure in making the videos more and more longer more and more elaborate do you feel like you're in a war with your online competitors in a way and does it lead to longer videos more more complex videos more pressure on you to churn out more at a higher standard every month
0: yeah well i would say that um there's so many different people that want different things that are your potential audience, right? So just a second ago, I was confessing that I don't want the thing to read. I want the thing to watch or the thing to listen to. That's Mm. what I'm after. And so for example, my experiences with YouTube is there's people that want a five minute video. Just show me the steps, but there's also people that want the 20 minute video and are glad to watch that and they don't mind the length of it. And so the reason I know this is because I get complaints in the comments. I make a 20-minute video. Oh, why don't you just get to the point, eight minutes talking about nothing? I get that all the time, and I just politely reply, get the F off my channel. No, I don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> that that's maybe what I want right?
1: You're it for free, you, I know.
0: I know I, uh, God, the truth. Do want, <laughs> what do you want more blood? <laughs> no but i do get those all the time and i i, I do say well my really content is not you, for you you don't um,
1: really see the compassionate insightful side of people online, yeah you
0: know? oh my gosh this oh geez you have no idea what i have to deal with all the time all the time i deal with this just so you know um, and on facebook i got haters left and right but that's okay because when you become big enough Uh, you are someone to talk about. If people start talking about you, it's because you're big enough that people are wanting to talk about you, Mm. negative and positive. Uh mostly. Positive say, we
1: take we take t- the Mickey out about him and he takes it like Dr. <laughs> Evil. He's one of the nicest people I've met for a while, actually. He's pillinated, but he's uh,
0: he's got he's a really nice guy, actually. So, <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: uh, uh, um, so. I genuinely am a nice guy if you're if you are familiar with my YouTube channel, you are. I'm genuinely a nice guy. I do a lot of nice things behind the scenes for people a, without there's asking.
1: A, there's only one jerk on this show, and that's the percent. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, uh, Chris, but I did. I did want to say, yeah. you know, um, uh, to actually uh, be on topic is that um, uh, if you lead with value, it's easier to help someone make the jump to receive more value. Um, mm-hmm. Especially this this concept of um, in the whole information marketing space is. You give your best stuff for free, always give your best stuff for free because then people will say, Well, if this is what I'm getting for free, imagine what I'm gonna get if I actually open up my wallet and pay for it. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, or
1: my, my, yeah, I just want to quickly interrupt. I apologize, but yeah, no, I understand what you're saying there. But is there a slight so you give really? I, I know where you're coming from, but the money observation of what you just said, isn't it? Can't there be a circumstance that if you're giving something that's so fantastic for free and then they pay and it doesn't? it's not better than the free, they feel that they've been cheated?
0: <laughs> well, it, no, the paid could be more in-depth. So yeah. you might hit topics, but you're not intentionally leaving stuff out, but it's just not the proper medium to hit all the depth. So the proper medium to hit all the depth would be in this information product, uh, but I'm giving tons and tons and tons of value for free up front um, leading into the maybe a paid product or a paying with your email or something along those lines. Um, So or uh, people prefer a different format. And so you're actually selling a different format of the information that you're already given for free. Yeah, so there's yeah. there's lots of ways of making the transition without having someone feel like they got um with the example that you were saying
1: I am um, gonna let chris what you know this you know this is all around you know uh, education um around building courses. These are conversations you must have internally and, and with your the people that use your plugin in on a regular basis isn't it Chris?
5: It is. It is. And I think uh, one of the things I'd like to say is there's a big, it depends. It depends what types of content that people like to consume. Some people are video people, some people are audio people, some people like to read. Uh, And we all have our preferences. I'm I'm actually a video person, but I know people who hate videos and they just want the transcript. They just want to read, read about it. Um, And there's also this, the concept of length is very much an it depends situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I'm going on a run, I don't want a seven minute podcast. I want to put in like a two hour podcast or a, uh, an audio book. Um, but if I'm just looking for quick entertainment, I want short videos. I want YouTube. Um, so it depends where I'm at. And I like uh, <clears throat> using a simple framework. I think Chris Lemma might have some content on this about, The buyer's journey going from unaware, problem aware, solution aware. When you're unaware it's small bite-sized content where you're kind of hooking into the interests that someone might have around the topic um, and then maybe defining the problem for them based on the symptoms they're experiencing. Uh, When they become problem aware you can increase the length or depth of the content whether that's a video, text, course, email series, whatever it is. And then when they become solution aware that's where the big you know, product paid premium option exists. So a lot of times people focus their lead magnets on the very top of the funnel. They keep it nice and short and then they go super deep on the paid product, but they're totally missing that middle of the funnel opportunity, which can have deeper content, both free or paid products, paid information products that, you know, are not the deep dive, but kind of at that mid layer. And, uh, mm-hmm. well, yeah, so- and I, I think the, the key that people want is we we're, we're, this the topic of this conversation is around information products. And I feel like that is an outdated term. I think yeah. the word. Has well,
1: i a bit like me, Chris. I'm outdated, don't <laughs>
5: I? Go I mean, no, with it. Um, but the world is shifting. I mean, information, technology, um, access to information over the internet has been around for a bit. Well, we're, working on these days, what people really want is they don't, the access and the information is no longer a novelty. What they want is results. So if it's a skyscraper, long 10,000 word um, post that gets results, great. If it's a short video, that's all that was necessary. So it's all in service to results. So when when people are designing lead magnets, tripwires, information products, courses, events, all these things, it's no longer about access to the best information. It's about what works. And I think if you're in the business of creating these types of things, focusing like a laser on the results promised in the content and having those be dependably created across multiple learning styles and content consumption preferences is the name of the game in 2018.
1: Yeah, well, I thought that was fantastic, actually. Thanks, Chris. Um, uh, Morton, I I know, because you, but you must have the same issues with your learning videos and the whole way people learn, you know. Um, is there is there a kind of pressure to make the videos more and more complicated, more and more longer, or is it the other way, shorter and shorter and shorter? <laughs> uh,
3: the general tendency we're seeing is that people like to get, uh, often have very specific questions they want specific answers to, uh, but that has not really changed in the last 10 years. Uh, the, what I think on a more general basis uh, you can observe is that people are expecting to get answers or get solutions or learn something without really trying. Um, that That is not a you know, that's not a slight against people who are trying to learn anything. That's just the way that things are being presented on the web now is this instant gratification thing. And we're basically being trained by YouTube and all these other services to think that everything just comes automatically. You just watch this one short video and then everything is solved, right? And you'll notice that a lot of the popular viral content online is very focused on this like one one weird thing that helps you like or one like trick that (laughs) just solves an issue. Um, Mm -hmm. Which is very difficult because you're getting this super, well, no, it's very easy to make those things, but they have no value, right? But they have value to the creator because as long as you watch the video or read the thing, The creator gets benefit out of it. It doesn't matter if you understood anything. So it's easier to make these little candy pieces that you just throw all over the web and then people pick them up and then you're like, ha, you ate my candy and now you're coming back and (laughs) eating more candy, right? I mean... The number of videos on YouTube that are just called satisfying whatever, the most satisfying video in the world. And honestly, I watched them and I'm like, what the hell is this? There's nothing <laughs> satisfying about this at all. This is just like an extruder making candy or, an ex- or like a machine washing a tire. There is nothing satisfying about this. Why is this a thing that happens? So I wrote down some notes. I would like to uh, uh, bring up some questions here. First of all, how do you define success in this context? So is success something that, is it money? Uh, is it uh, leads? Is it uh, authority? Is it trust? Is it visits? It, what is it? Because depending on those things, your uh, like depending on the metric you use to measure success, your approach has to change. If you're just looking for people to go to your website and read a thing and then subscribe to your service, then you have to write your content in a certain way to drive them to want to, read more if you're just looking to get people to click on ads or just to get exposed to the ads then you want to publish as much content as possible so that people will come back to read more stuff right that's why you see all those stupid pages that have the like this page has eight pages you have to click through all of them or the galleries where you have to load a new page every time you right um if it's uh authority or trust then you have to really show you know more or have more contextual information than anyone else does. And that's where all these long read articles come in, right? Um, And all that, it really depends on your business model and what you're trying to do. In some cases, you are actually selling the information you're creating through ads or through subscriptions or something else. In other cases, you're using the information you're creating to drive attention to something else. Um, and unless you define that business model before you start writing, you're basically just spending a lot of time writing content. Um, the other thing that you keep, uh, several people brought this up, like whether or not you should write short or long content. There's an actual phenomenon on the web now called long reads. Uh, I think one of the major newspapers even has a section called long reads where you have these massive tomes of articles. Mm. And it took me a while to understand what that was about. But it turns out a lot of people want to be able to disconnect from the web and just immerse themselves in an article for a long time to get this feeling of not constantly looking at a new thing so these long reads are often published in a uh, distraction-free environment with no ads and they're very easy to read and you can dump them out there's maybe like audio versions of it so people can really immerse themselves in the content and remove themselves from the stress of the web in general and there is value to it but it has to be part of a larger process of having long reads and short things right Um, on the flip side of that, you have hot takes, which are these things. Something happens and you write like this 10 sentence article immediately after it happens to be the first one to say something because that will drive people's uh, interest and influence. So it it really, um, it really depends. The last thing I'll say is, have you noticed that all these kids on YouTube who are like multimillionaires who sit in their bedrooms who are clear, like, clearly are TV studios and review garbage and unbox things and just are super random and weird, their videos are getting longer and longer and longer and longer. It's ridiculous. Like I was watching a video the other day because I was trying to figure out how um, a certain, like, I have a thing, I forget what it was. I, there's something I have in my office and I was trying to figure out how to do a certain thing with it. And I watched a video of a guy talking about it for 45 minutes (laughs) and i'm like there is no possible way to talk about this thing it's like a charger or something for 45 minutes and i watched the video and he's like he's circling basically in and out of the topic and then he starts talking about a random crap that has nothing to do with anything and it's really like listening to someone having a conversation with themselves which is fine and i was sitting there wondering is this a trend now that people make these enormous videos? So I started just watching like other videos that this person I created and all the other people that they link to within the videos and everything and went down that hole. And all these creators are now creating these ridiculously long videos. And I think it's because what's happening is people come into the videos and then they will likely skip ahead to see what happens further down the road. So they add these little Easter egg events or say funny things inside them. And they just want people to watch for as long as possible because they get some sort of monetary compensation mm-hmm. for people sticking around and they can also put links to other things in it so like there's a bass player i follow on youtube which is a very talented bass player and he wears gloves when he plays bass which is odd i like, why would you wear gloves and then he has a video that says uh why i forget his name i think it's chris like why chris wears gloves and I'm like, cool, I, I, I wanna know this. And I open the video and it's 20 minutes. And I'm like, oh no, why is this 20 minutes long? And then the first 10 minutes of the video is like, so today I went to the store and bought some candy. And then I had like I made dinner and then I had, and he just talks about random shit for 10 minutes. And then he comes into the real story. And all of that is just to keep you watching. I'll so tell that, you
0: why that is if you, when yeah, you're done, yeah, done. I, I, you, done. okay. It's because uh, you know, I'm not, I wasn't cutting you off. I was just wanting to answer that. Why that is the, if the audience wants to know why YouTube videos are long, it's because the number one metric that YouTube is looking at is watch time. Yeah. And if you have a three minute video and your competitor has a 30 minute video, they don't care. They're not looking at this issue. They're not looking at percentages. Mm-hmm. They're looking at minutes. So if someone's going to push play and they're never going to push stop, you might as well make it 30 minutes. And then what happens is the reward is now YouTube takes your video and, and shows it as a suggested video a whole heck of a lot more. And, and it also benefits your channel, which is all of your videos, because it's all about one thing, the amount of minutes of watch time. And like f- for me – I was just looking at my stats um, on my YouTube channel. I'm, I'm about 1.2 million minutes per month of watch time. Um, and it's gone up significantly when I made my videos 20 minutes. My videos were like five to eight minutes and lately they've all been over 20 minutes. And my, so, I immediately added 300,000 of watch time minutes per month. Do you think that's because people binge watch content on YouTube? Well, I think it's, for me, I push play and I never get back to pushing stop. Now, if I'm really looking for some information right now, I'll do that skipping, that hopping and skipping thing. But in my casual day, I just want something in the background and it's usually YouTube first. Mm -hmm. It's always YouTube first. I don't play music. I don't play podcasts. I am just got YouTube
3: open 24-7. So this is what I was saying in the beginning. It all has to do with how you define success. So what's happening, and I I can see this, uh, I've done a lot of research around this um, kids' content on YouTube because I have a kid and I know a lot of people with kids. And uh, what I'm starting to see is the functionality of YouTube and how YouTube works is changing the behavior of the people who create content for YouTube because they're trying to align their content with the metrics that YouTube generates and how YouTube generates them money. And then their behavior is changing the behavior of their viewers because they have to make their viewers follow along with that behavior so that they get the money and get the metrics. And this alters the behavior of people in general. So uh, what we sometimes see, or like I get uh, comments from people sometimes who watch my courses, which if you've watched any uh, LinkedIn learning courses, you'll know that they are extremely packed with very, very complex content. So you usually watch a movie and then you may have to stop the movie in the middle to do something and then continue. And then sometimes I'll get an e- email from someone who says, I watched this entire course, which is like four hours long, from start to finish. And I didn't learn anything. And then I go in <laughs> and I can look and I'm like, you watched the course from start to finish.
5: Yeah. Like
3: literally four hours straight. I'm like, this is not Netflix. If you do that, there is no way you learn anything. And that goes for any learning experience. If you sit in a classroom and listen to someone talk for four hours, there is no learning happening at all. You're just listening to a person talking.
1: you
3: experience I'll... learning, you need to engage with the material, right? But th- this shows that the way that the internet works has taught people a certain way of behaving around web content. And it's, then we have to say, like, are we going to follow that trend and try to change our content to fit that model? Or are we going to present content in a different way to allow people to you know, alter their behavior to fit with their goals? So then the question is, are you teaching people stuff or are you just entertaining them? If you're entertaining them, then you just binge all you want because it's just mindless entertainment. But if you're trying to teach them, you have to figure out ways of getting them to actually engage with the content so they get some value out of it. So they don't feel like I watched it for four hours and I learned nothing.
1: All right, I'm going to – I thought that was fantastic. Um, thanks, panel. Um, I was a little bit worried about where this conversation was going because I didn't think I did a great title. But I, I think we've covered some really fantastic stuff, actually. Oh, can because I say one last yeah, thing? We, we can go
2: on for another hour, I'm, I'm sure, if, if you want to you know, up those listening minutes.
3: Uh, <laughs> yeah, I've got things to do. I, I, I just have um, a tiny, I'm tiny little thing that dog. I need to put in. So if you, person listening, are doing any kind of – content marketing where someone is paying you money or giving you free stuff to put stuff online and you do it on your blog or on social media or whatever. Be aware that what you are doing is active marketing and that needs to be disclosed. I say this because Wall Street Journal just published an article and I'll quote a tiny piece from it. The Federal Trade Commission in September sent warning letters to 21 social media influencers asking them to disclose any financial arrangements with brands mentioned in recent posts on Instagram. They include supermodel Naomi Campbell, Pretty Little Liars actress Shay Mitchell and Lucy Hale, as well as bloggers and reality TV personalities that, uh, you know, post this kind of content. And what they're saying is if you post any type of content online where there's any relationship between you and the people you are writing about may be that they gave you something for free to test, they gave you money, they put you in a hotel room, they lent you a car, anything like that. Unless you put either explicitly say, they gave me this shit for free, or you say ad or sponsored content, the, FC, uh, the FTC will come after you because you are advertising and you're not disclosing that. So, and that goes for your own company too. If you write content about your own company and it's marketing content, you actually have to explicitly say this is marketing content. It's not, I'm not informing you. I'm informing you about my product.
1: Hmm. I think Adam and myself, um, uh, I know you do this, Adam. Uh, I have sponsors. Um, I have affiliate links, but I make it totally clear that they're sponsors. And I don't use stuff. I don't normally sponsor people unless... um, I'm using it myself and I believe in it. And Mm -hmm. I think you're the same, aren't you, Adam? You don't normally flog stuff unless you're using it, unless you believe in it.
0: Yeah, because you'll ruin your reputation. But uh, it's good that you added that, Morton, because people are naive to that. And right now, you won't get in trouble. But that might change right. in the future as as fines and penalties. The FCC might say, "Hmm, we're about five million under budget. Let's go send some letters." You know, and next thing you know, they're hitting people up, and you're that because that's the way the U.S. government works.
1: Well, that, that, um, that's, that's what they will do, Adam. Will yeah. They?
0: It's, that's They're going to make money. That's exactly how they're going to make money. I know for me on my YouTube, every YouTube channel, I say if I talk about any product or link guaranteed, if there's an affiliate program, just assume I am an affiliate and that link you click on is an affiliate link. So it's like this all-encompassing uh, warning. Um, and then on my website, I have it too. But I, I, um, I do know of people that are getting money um, to do certain things that do not disclose the darn thing. I'm not someone to turn somebody in, but you know. On the other hand, it's kind of dirty, you know, to say you know. i have
1: got to be honest with you. I've been offered some. Um, I've been offered a one big deal that would make it was a substantial amount of money, and it would it would make a real difference. It wasn't pocket money, and I decided to turn my back on it because um, fundamentally. I didn't believe in the product or the company, mm-hmm. and um, the only reason why I work for myself and keep on trying is not to live in some big house or have a big car. It's to me, it's freedom. It's being able to do what I want to do when I want to do it, and I don't care if I have to work twenty hours. You know, there'll be an, another day where I can have the day off. Um, And that's the only reason that I keep on doing all this um, is freedom. And it's as simple as that. Um, And what else would I do? I I wouldn't be, I'd be bored stiff playing golf and I've got nothing against people playing golf folks. If it's your bag, do it. I want to wrap this up now. Um, This is going to be our last show for 2017. And I just, first of all, I just want to say thank you, panel, for coming on the shows during 2017, and um, I've really enjoyed the Friday roundtables and talking to the panel of such really very brilliant people. Um, in you know, your it's been a pleasure um, being a facilitator of these conversations, and thank you so much for coming on the shows. And I wish you and your families a great Christmas and a really successful new year to the listeners. um, The same to you. Um, I would hope that you would email more and join us on the Facebook group, which I need to do more work on um, because I would love to get more um, response from the listeners and from the people that watch the videos and have subscribed and that's one of my things that I really want to do in the new year. But we'll be getting more stuff. And I'm not being as diligent as Adam about responding to comments and that myself. So that might be partly my own fault. But thank you for listening and also sending us messages. And also my, my guests that come on the interviews on the Wednesday, um um, it's just been amazing quality of people that I've managed to get on the show. And um, I had JJ on this Wednesday and it was just, just a fantastic WordPress developer. Um, great guy who laughed at my jokes as well. What more can mm. I ask for? Uh, um, So we're going to wrap it up now. Um, We'll see you in the new year. We've got some great guests for the Wednesday show. Hopefully the panel will keep coming on and we have some other great discussions as well. And uh, we'll see you in the new year, folks. Bye. Thanks for listening to
0: WP Tonic, the podcast that gives you a spoonful of WordPress medicine twice a week.